there, folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We're making our way through the book of Genesis. Chapter 17 is on the docket today. Kind of a big deal here. Circumcision might sound a little odd uh, in relation to everything that we've been through, and yet this is actually a pretty big deal for the Bible. Circumcision is instituted here, but boy, it is uh, brought to mind by the prophets. It is all over the New Testament It is a matter of the law that uh, the Apostle Paul has to deal with quite a bit. Even uh, in the Old Testament already, we we get a sense that circumcision is not exactly just the physical act of circumcision, but we have something much, much more going on, and uh, that is the circumcision of the heart. And uh, I think the New Testament picks up on that language. They were cut to the heart, as it were. In Acts 2. So we have a lot to say here. I'm getting ahead of myself already, but that's just the nature of this this topic here. Abraham and the covenant of circumcision. Remember what we've been through. Abraham gets the call in chapter 12. This is going to be important. This kind of sequence of events is important. Abraham gets the call in chapter 12. It's freely by grace. He didn't do anything. He just believed it. He was like a uh, paradigmatic, the paradigm of the Christian. Hear the word, be called out of darkness. And uh, and he just he doesn't say anything, he just believes it, he just goes. Now if you fast forward, um, Abraham in chapter 15 we saw is reassured of this covenant. Hey, what will you give me? My heir is Eliezer of Damascus and... He says, look at the stars, and then what happens? Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So a very strengthening, uh, very much a strengthening of faith and a strengthening of the reality of the promise. Yeah, it might be years, and all the things around you might look the exact opposite of what you thought the fulfillment of this promise might be. And yet, at the same time, it still endures. I haven't forgotten about it, and I'm speaking a further word to reassure it. Much like the Christian life, you get the, the promise that is fulfilled in, in Christ, everything yes and amen in him, and yet we wait for the consummation of all those promises. No matter how many years go along, the Lord has not forgetting, forgotten those promises, and he works all things according to his good purposes to fulfill them. Now in chapter 17, and this is a word I use quite intentionally, and that is we get the sacrament for this covenant. I use this because, uh, well, Luther himself called it a sacrament. Um, He says circumcision is a sacrament for the descendants of Abraham. Why is that? Why am I using the word sacrament? Well, I realize there are different definitions of sacrament depending on your uh, tradition. If you're Roman Catholic, for example, you have a few more sacrifice, uh, sacraments because of the definitions there. I won't get into all that here, but sacrament, what I have in mind is uh, a physical, tangible element that has been added to the Word of God. Pretty simple kind of definition there, I realize. But this is significant for the life of Abraham. He gets the call, the promise is confirmed, and then after that... He gets this outward uh, 
physical sign of that covenant. It's not the other way around. It's not like, you know, I'm going to give you this circumcision thing and then all these other laws about don't eat pig and, you know, pepperoni on your pizza and all these things. And then if you do that, uh, you can earn your way into this covenant. It is the exact opposite. Circumcision, uh, Luther calls it in some places a symbol or a sign of the promise which had been given before uh, received by faith. Okay? Um, That's kind of, it's like a seal of this right now. Paul in Romans 4 um, calls circumcision a seal of the righteousness. It's already present by faith, that righteousness, and yet circumcision is then added to it. Um, In this way, Luther finds profound comfort, and I think he's absolutely right, because it's not just this, the Christian faith is not just this thing, this kind of pie-in-the-sky thinking, and then a bunch of, you know, souls that are floating around join a bunch of other souls that are floating around. Uh, Circumcision is a very physical thing, of course, and it is something that you can... Uh, look toward to be reminded of the covenant that God has established with you. That's what Luther has in mind here for the sacrament of circumcision. I think he's absolutely right. The Christian faith then has these physical outward signs or seals by which you can point and to which you can point and say, this is the tangible evidence of what God has already done for me. And confirmed for me. This is where I can have something um, that is outwardly certain. No matter how I feel, no matter what's going on, this is I don't I I'm not left to my my own devices here to just oh well are you having a bad time in life? We'll just kind of muster up enough strength, uh, your, your mental capacity, just reflect for a while on the promise. No, go to the Lord's Supper. Um, make the sign of the cross physically. Uh, forehead and shoulders and so on uh, to remember the physical water and word that was that was given in baptism. This is um, I, I guess I'll just I have Luther in front of me here. Um, Luther says he gives all the descendants of Isaac a common revelation or seal by which they are not only to be distinguished from the rest of the nations, but are to be reminded as by a sacrament that they are the people of God, and that God in turn will be a God to them. That is, will do good to them in this life and in eternal life, and will do all of this because of Christ, the promised seed of the woman. That is such a comforting explanation here of chapter 17, Abraham and the covenant of circumcision. So he's 99 years old here. You read it verse verse 1. And so we've had some years, right? Things have gone, and we talked about this in chapter 15. Hey, I continue childless. You're not fulfilling the promise uh, on my terms and in my time. And here God comes to him, notice the appearance language. We have a visual, something very significant. Hap- when God is appearing and giving a visual, you always have to track, you know, remember with the altars in chapter 12? Why do we have a visual at the altar, all these other times, Abe talks to God. Why can't we get a visual? Any other? He has a visual by the altar. How about bodily presence at the altar 
for the Christian church at all times and places. Okay, so we have a visual here with a very physical command here, this circumcision. I am God Almighty, walk before me, be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. This is kind of a, I mean, so the circumcision business has a lot to do with a lot. And that is, first of all, well, I mean, just to be, I guess, uh, straightforward about it. I mean, it is um, the place of life, the organ of reproduction. Circumcision is going to be a reminder of this covenant, because what is everybody looking forward to? The promised descendant. As in, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Here, this language of two, I'll make, uh, I'll multiply you greatly. Circumcision is that reminder that we're looking forward to a particular descendant. As we are fruitful and multiplying, reproducing, we are constantly looking forward to that descendant. One thing circumcision does is reminds you that that's that's what uh, is the nature of this offspring, that it, one to come, a descendant. At the same time, of course, I mean, circumcision... This was done on the eighth day, and you get this, I mean, there's a newness of life that happens because of this promise. You're made new, and the eighth day is a new day, a new you. This is the day that, you, that the Lord has made. Let us be rejoice and be glad in it. And so Abram gets a new name, you'll see there. No longer shot. Why do we get a new name right here and not any other year in Abram's life? We get this because this is where circumcision is. This eighth day stuff gives a new name. So he's not Abram anymore. He's now Abraham, which is father of of many. Before it was exalted father. Now it's father of many. Because I've called you, uh, made you a father of many nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. Kings will come from you. You can see this, this covenant now extends very clearly to offspring after you. For an everlasting covenant... And uh, and then this involves land as well. So here we have this circumcision. It's going to be for Abe. It's going to be for his offspring. It's an everlasting covenant. Paul will pick up on this in the New Testament, that we have a circumcision made without hands. And that is by being baptized into Christ. It's not as if like, oh, you know, circumcision, that's it's kind of, it's kind of odd and, you know, uh, invasive or something to a person's physical self baptismal is the uh, baptism is like is the most fleshly thing ever because it involves all of you now you present your whole self paul says as a living sacrifice not just um losing a particular piece of flesh but your entire self your whole flesh has now by baptism uh, been offered up. Present yourselves now as a living sacrifice. Um, and this also is, uh, for Luther, connected to... So you have a lot going on with circumcision. The reminder of the promise, uh, the eighth day stuff, new day, a new you. It anticipates baptism, the complete drowning of the self, this cutting off of the entire flesh, you might say, in baptism. And then uh, also, you know, with this being extended to all the offspring and everything, 
uh, this is also a distinctive mark whereby others might be grafted into this promise seed business. As in, what in the world are you guys doing? Eighth day, what do you do? What's the what's the practice? And Luther says, uh, prompted by admiration, Gentiles too may learn about how to share in this eternal grace through the Son of God. And that those who um, have faith and confess that promise as well might be grafted in. This is a fascinating, again, the external means. This is why it's so important to keep the sacraments central throughout the history of the Christian church so that others might point to them and say, what, are, what is that that you're eating and drinking? Why is that that font with water in it so special? What's happening there in that outward physical act? So that others might be, as Luther said again, prompted by admiration to inquire about this and by the grace of the Holy Spirit confess the same faith. So this is my covenant. Every male shall be circumcised. Now this is, I mean, we're not going to be so specific here and say, well, then, you know, females are excluded from this. No, not at all. This is um, this is a, a testimony to headship, certainly. This is also a testimony to um, how a particular household is saved. The females will be saved by the same faith as the males are in all of this. Um, he who was eight days old, we talked about whether born in your house or bought with your money. This is going to be a refrain throughout this. And this is exact, this is like Jew or Gentile right here. Whether born in your house, think John four salvation is from the Jews. Hey, we're born here or bought with your money. Somebody, a Hittite, an Amorite, um, a Perizzite, a Jebusite, somebody, somebody bought with your money. I had no idea what was going on here. I've, I've been grafted in. We're strangers. Paul said the Gentiles. I'm not a Jew. Uh, Paul says uh, to those who are not Jews, we're strangers and aliens to the covenant, uh, foreigners to the commonwealth of Israel, and yet we can be grafted in too. And you see this already with with Abe and uh, this covenant that is for those born in his house or bought with money. I mean, the Lord just can't wait to start grafting in non-Israelites to this whole history and plan of salvation. So shall my covenant be with you and your flesh an everlasting covenant. And anyone not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He's broken my covenant. This is a very personal thing. I mean, that's the other thing too. Is Wow, this is kind of odd or, you know, the students might wonder while we're talking about this or whatever, but this is a very personal thing. And this is a claim on an individual this is a mark. I mean, we have that language, right? To mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Christianity is not about a bunch of disembodied souls that are floating around. Like Zoom technology will suffice, right? No. Um, we're talking about you personally, yourself, your body. Our Lord wants you to be with you forever the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. You, yourself, and your very body, he wants body and soul for everlasting life. And circumcision is a very nice window into that. Hey, we've got to take a quick break, but I'll be right back.
We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Genesis chapter 17. Fascinating chapter. We got quite a bit more, I guess, too, with uh, with Sarai to be named renamed Sarah here. I just I was just thinking more about uh, Luther on this whole. You know that we're going to go to Sarai now, Sarah. The female thing, um, why just the males? Um, Luther adds a little bit more to this. And, I mean, on the one hand, we're thinking about the promised one to come. I talked about this, the descendant. So, um, you know, be fruitful, multiply. But at the same time, of course, we're talking about this is a cutting. uh, It involves blood and so on. And so Luther also saw in that that it's not only you're thinking about this descendant, but also that this descendant will have to shed blood on our behalf. And why is that? Well, the wages of sin. And that also gets Luther thinking about Romans 5, for example. In Adam we have all been one, one huge rebellious man, as the hymn puts it. Um, in, In one man all sinned. And so why male circumcision? Well, it also ties into original sin, the transmission of original sin. And uh, Luther kind of reflects on this a little bit too and says, well, the, the females kind of have their own circumcision, as it were, and that is childbirth. This goes back to the curse in the fall. The female circumcision, he says, is childbirth because that that is an indication um, uh, let me let me just read this. The women have their own circumcision. It's burdensome and painful enough. It is uh, then through childbirth that they are circumcised unto death. There is wrath in the word pain, as in uh, in pain you will give birth. But there is mercy in the statement you will give birth. And uh, in another place he says all of women are spared from circumcision because of uh, a kind of testimony to the Virgin Mary who will give birth to this promised descendant who is to come. 
So he spares the entire sex, Luther says. And, uh, and then there you go. Circumcision is a sign in which God foreshadows the sum total of theology, sin and grace in both sexes. So he's just reflecting on the male, female, the circumcision, the non-circumcision, what this has to do with sin and grace and the whole confession of the Christian faith. Just quite, quite marvelous. God says to Sarah that her name will, Sarai, that her name will now be Sarah, which means princess. Sar is prince and the ah is a feminine ending. So princess, I'll bless her. I'll give you a son by her. She'll become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. This is also, okay, we're getting this. Abe is kind of like a what? I guess he's a prophet because he speaks the word, but then he's kind of like a priest too because of all of this, you know, he's got his lot and all the people that they've acquired. He's got a household. He's got Jews and Gentiles, both. But he's also, we're getting this kind of king-prince thing going on too. And we hear this language explicitly with Sarai and the ones that will come from her. Kings, nations. Abe laughs here because he, oh man, is this going to, how can the Lord pull this off? And this is just how we are when we think of our Lord's promises and so on. Is this really true? And, uh, Yes, even though it runs contrary to all your reason and senses, this is how the Lord works. Sarah will build, will will bear Isaac, and it'll be through Isaac that he establishes the covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring. As for Ishmael, he gets a blessing too. I'll be fruitful toward, make him fruitful, multiply him greatly. He'll have twelve princes. I'll make him into a great nation. But I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. This is really quite fascinating. Even in the very speaking of this promise, it continues to get fleshed out, as it were. No pun intended, right? But you get more and more about who this coming descendant will be and what kind of person and work this uh, descendant will will carry out, will be and will carry out. Um, So we have the king's thing. We have the everlasting covenant. I'll multiply you greatly. We have Ishmael being mentioned here, being taken into account. I mean, that's the other thing too, is even when the promise is given and extended and elaborated on, as it is here, we get get to learn more about the nature of this one who's the eighth day thing, the new life thing, the cutting, the sin, the grace, all of it there. We also get this reference to Ishmael. Um, I've got a special promise for him, too, and I, get, I think I've said this last time, but Luther is convinced Ishmael, too, um, is confessing the gospel after this. Just because it's not transmitted through him doesn't mean he can't confess it or hear about it and then say, yeah, I believe that, too. And, yeah, it, the coming pro- Messiah might not come through me, but I, I believe in him. And that the Lord immediately after giving this promise and then even saying more about this promise here and how it's going to happen and what it's going to entail, he immediately allows and provides for ways for the the unchosen, uh, as it were, here Ishmael, to be grafted into this. And that is precisely through what he said to what's going to happen through Isaac in this circumcision business. Um, and so Ishmael also is circumcised here. 
And I think that's indicative of the kind of hopes, the kind of will of our Lord who wants everybody to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just because he's doing something in a particular way with a particular person or nation doesn't mean that he just completely neglects or forgets. He's he's immediately acting through one brother for the sake of the other brother as well. It's always a package deal. And I, I just love how, how closely connected that reality is here in chapter 17. Um, as soon as God had finished talking with him, he goes up from him. I know this, the late movement that God can locate himself in a special way, be present with his people in a special way through particular physical, tangible means. God is everywhere. He's an infinite being. And yet at the same time, he can locate himself to be present in a particular special way through physical, tangible means, including this circumcision business. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money. Every male among... So this is everybody. This is, this is the house. This is Ishmael. This is Isaac. This is... Um, Luther would say that Abram's house was nothing else than a church instructed in the most saintly manner and accustomed to the worship of God and the obedience of the word. Abe was the pastor. He preached sermons. He led prayers. He taught about sacrifices and vows and just the whole thing. Abe was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh. Ishmael was 13. And then that very day, his son Ishmael was circumcised. Isaac will be later because Isaac isn't born yet, but that'll happen. All the men of his... I mean, that's the thing too. It's coming through Isaac, but already... I mean, Ishmael Ishmael is, beats him to the punch. Ishmael, 13 years old, he's, sacri- he's uh, circumcised first. And so even though this promise, it's like this, this is also big for how our Lord does promises. He gives a promise and already it's just spilling over into, hey, I thought this was going through Isaac. Yeah, but, but already Ishmael is circumcised. Already he's, he's being grafted in as it were. He's being um, evangelized. He's being, here's what's up and here's why. And yeah, it's going to come through Isaac and not you, but you can already hear this gospel and start confessing it before the historical Isaac comes around. That's just how our Lord, you know, dumps his promises. And it's, uh, it reminds me of Paul in Galatians 3, preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Um, they can already confess the gospel. Even uh, they can confess the one born of the Virgin Mary long before that, that, Incarnation happens in in time and space. And all the men of his house, those born in his house, those bought with money from a foreigner, um, were circumcised with him already. This is like, I don't know, after Noah, you get Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You get the the Jew, the Gentile, and, and it's just spreading in the same way, including this sacrament of circumcision, um, that God may be all in all, as Paul would say in Romans. So fascinating stuff. Big, big moment in... Genesis, big, clear window into the gospel, into Christianity as well, which is our series. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We're going to call it there. Spread the word so that your family and friends can learn more about God's word with us. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org. 
and clicking on our contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. 